straight up the price of admission growth stories life lessons turning points service to others truth no bullshit adding value no smoke and mirrors being the pressure third down and ten fighting below the surface win or learn always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder these are the things that i think about when i talk to this group they're still kindling that fire taken to the fleet and beyond living the values today through faith with the family and at the job obsessed with ownership and accountability winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity pedal to the metal paying the price of admission let's go um, Jesse Awuji, also known as Jay Wu, uh, <laughs> Navy football, 2009. Um, you know, there was probably, you're probably one of the easiest people to schedule so far. I've done nine of these. Oh, really? Uh, or at least <laughs> nine of these so far. And you're the, probably the least likely one that I thought I'd be able to schedule so easily. Uh, you know, <laughs> being all wrapped up in, in NASCAR, NASCAR driver, uh, somewhat of a celebrity. Um, Jesse's from Dallas, Texas. Uh, high school had a 4.4740 yard dash, so fast as lightning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> football and track. What was your track events? Uh, ran the 60 meter and uh, the 60 meter indoor, and then ran a 100 meter outdoor, and also the 200 meter outdoor, and also the 4 by one relay. Gotcha. Sprints. Yeah, sprints here. Uh, talking with Ross, um, and he was a 400er and. Someone else was talking to him about running track, and it seems like the the backer core had a lot of 400 runners, and, and you were a, a <laughs> sprinter, DB by trade, right? Yeah. Free safety. Yeah. Um, I went to Google Jaywoo, and there's just so much content. Um, you know, I was trying to pull some of your background info to talk about. Yeah. It's just, I mean, you got your own website. You got a Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, all um, that fun stuff. Uh, also bounce some ideas off the guys like, hey, what do y'all remember about Jesse Awuji back in the day? And Osa, uh, he said that they baby powdered your challenger one time. Uh, they might have. I can't even remember. Oh, they said you're so <laughs> mad about that. Him and, and Curtis. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe they did. I don't even know. I can't remember. I think they did. Now that I, like it was, yeah, I think they did. <laughs> Uh, Curtis said, I needed to introduce you with your full name, which is, uh, Jesse Akini Didichuwu Ortizu Iwuji. What are you, what is, oh, what's the story yeah. there? Yeah, no, no, no. That's my middle name. And yeah, you completely butchered it. I'm sure uh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Jesse Akini Didichuku Orisa. So, um, yeah, my, my middle name, it's obviously it's Nigerian and my parents decided on this really long middle name. It's like 20 letters long. It means in English, it means, uh, praise be to God. But, nice. um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really long. On my birth certificate, they don't have the full middle name. They just have like a portion of it. Uh, just Ekene, that's it. Gotcha. And then, um, and then, and then my last name, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a pretty long one. Akine, you need to get that written on the side of your car or your truck for NASCAR. Yeah, car, NASCAR. car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, car. for sure. Maybe I should put that in there one of these days. Gotcha. <laughs> um, also Jeff Lenari said that you kind of pop smote after uh, graduation real quick. You didn't hang around. It was like graduation here, are the celebrations and then Jesse's gone. I right? probably was gone. Yeah. Why yeah. were you gone so fast? <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't, why was I gone? I don't know. Did I? I don't, I don't think I owed the Naval Academy any money or anything. So I think I was good. <laughs> <laughs> On the bigger and better things. Um, no, yeah, I, I was out. I mean, we, we, you know, we went. You know, me, um, Ram, and and Bass and Milky and Ose, um, we all went to um, you know the prep school to go coach football. So I think right after graduation, I maybe like the very next day. I think I flew home first to Dallas. I was in Dallas for about thirty days or so. Um, and then got back to the academy, was there for a couple of weeks, just getting rechecked in and stuff so that we could go off to Newport. So once we all got there, we were there for a few weeks, went off to Newport and then got started out there. And um, it was crazy um, going back to Newport. It, I got to see it in a different lens. I think when we were there before, when we went to Naps, you know, I was only, what, 17, 18, 18 when I got there. I mean, there was stuff to do in Newport, but really wasn't that much for an 18 year old. So yeah. we all kept on going to Providence. And, and that was my first experience with you know, going out and partying and doing all that stuff, you know, when I was 18. And, uh, you know, it was like, it was, it was interesting for me because at, at that time they had like these 18 and up clubs and all that stuff. Yeah. And we used to do that. And then the second time around going to Newport now, I was at that point, 22, 23, whatever it was, 23. And um, it was just a different lens. I could actually have fun in Newport. And I wasn't, you know, because I was of age to do it. So um, just, definitely uh, had a good time doing that. It just sparked a memory for me. Did you drive back Shane Jones's truck in the winter oh, and wreck it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, no. This is what happened, right? <laughs> it was snowing. It was snowing, and uh, it was really, really icy. And uh, Shane and everybody else who was in the truck at that time, you know, all of them were um, not in a condition to drive the truck, right? Yep. Um, <laughs> so, it was uh, icy. To, it was snowing. It was like our first was good like, ice up there. And I, oh, at that point, I had never driven in the snow. I mean, once again, I was, what, 18? I had right. never driven in the snow in my life. I'd never driven on ice in my life. I never did any of that stuff. Um, but I was the only person who was in um, who was in a position to drive, right? So yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, I'm going to drive everybody. I started driving. We're driving. I mean, it's snowing. It's icy. And I'm making it. I'm making it. But eventually, we just finally got to one point of the road where it was just so icy like I'm, I'm, I wasn't even going fast. I was going maybe 30 miles per hour. All of a sudden, the truck just started turning sideways and turning sideways, and there was nothing like there's nothing I could do. It was just literally just on ice. Bam! And hit a median. Right? Hit a median. Now the truck was still, uh, you know, able to to move after that. We still drove it back <laughs> to Newport on base, and I remember getting to base, and um, for whatever reason, I get there, and the gate guard. He's like looking at the truck. He's like, "Hey, what happened?" I'm like, "Like we hit something. It's freaking snowing and icing. Like, what do you think?" You know. And then he was like, and then he's asking me these weird questions. Then he's like, "What's the code word to go on base?" I'm like, "Code word." Like, I'm like, "Here's my ID." He could probably smell everybody yeah. in the car, and he's trying to mess with yeah. you a little bit. So he's like, "What's the code word?" And so I look back at, I think Shane. I'm like, "Shane, dude, what's the code word?" You know. And he was like, he was like passed out, like kind of sleepy, and he was like, uh, and he said something, and I'm like, uh, this, and he was like, okay, you can come through. I'm like, wait. Nice. So like yeah, so I got through, and then we went. But it was yeah, very interesting. Nice. The first story, like mini story, is of a NASCAR driver wrecking a truck up in Newport, <laughs> Rhode Island. So that's good. I got a, yeah, yeah. a couple memories of Jaywoo myself. I think when the last, I think the last in person interaction I had with you was probably maybe around Carlsbad, California, and I had like a little apartment on the one hundred and one. You stopped uh -huh. by and you had the the Challenger, yeah, the, Challenger. the very yeah, yeah, loud yeah. Challenger. It very took loud. you a while to <laughs> figure out a place to park. That. I think we put it in in our parking spot that we had, but yeah. um, man, that was that was so long ago. 
Um, <laughs> like it, 10 years ago. It was like barely, that was like, you said something about it being barely street legal or something that you did a trick. Yeah, on. definitely wasn't California street legal, but, um, you know, in other states, it was barely street legal. <laughs> the last note I got on Jay Wu for his, his intro before I turn it over to him is uh, uh, freestyling after football game. Uh, yeah. Freestyle was your thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to freestyle a lot. I think the most famous one was uh, after the Texas Bowl. That's where it was, yep. Yeah, yeah, we did that. And then someone put it on YouTube and Facebook and all that stuff. What was, the topic, of, what was the topic of that freestyle? Um, what was it? Uh, it was just, we just beat Missouri. So I was just freestyling just about pump, beating like, Missouri. Like whatever, right? Yeah, I think it was like at that time, I just, I literally on my feet just made something. I mean, that's what freestyling is, right? You make up something on your feet. That's what I did at that moment. Um, I wasn't expecting to do a freestyle. They just kind of forced me to do it. And I was like, all right, let me just do this. I just came up with something real quick. The next thing you know, we like put it on Facebook and YouTube. And like, I, I, I mean, it didn't go like crazy viral. But for us, it was like a little viral, right? It got around, right? And um, it was fun. Good times. Awesome. Well, since you haven't listened to any of them yet, I'm going to kind of preface it a little bit with some background. Price of admission, right? So price of admission mm -hmm. is... What did you pay? You know, it could, your price of admission could be different than anybody else's price of admission. Um, it, you know, kind of started back when Clint Bruce comes into, uh, you know, Bellino, um, you know, part of the season comes in, gives us some inspirational speech, you know, about the price of admission. And everyone's kind of like, you know, I, I, I think I know who he's talking about there. This price of admission that you put in, you put in the work, you persevere, you get, you accomplish something and at the end of it what do you get from it like what did you pay into it what'd you get out of it um did you get anything out of it um so that's kind of like what the price of admission is and where i'm going here i started this because i wanted to <clears throat> capture all you guys' stories right i uh i like listening to podcasts and uh, yeah. i was thinking man i got a pretty good network of people that i'm pretty close to you know or, or like you know, went to school with or wherever, somewhere along the journey I've talked to or worked with, whatever. And I'm thinking, these guys need to share this. And and ladies, they need to share their story and and say, you know, what can be, it, it could probably help somebody else, right? So that's where we're going here. And I know you've probably shared your story hundreds of times. Um, <clears throat> how many times do you think you've had, had that story share? somewhere uh it literally hundreds like no lie like hundreds all right so you're, uh, you're ready to go <laughs> yeah. then so yeah. uh let's jump right into it and once you know work through your through your story from the beginning and where yeah. you're at today and somewhere in there just tie in what your price of admission is yeah yeah most definitely yeah yeah so yeah i know originally from dallas texas um you know both of my parents they immigrated from nigeria to the u.s so when they first came um to, to the u.s uh they didn't have much right their price of admission was uh, was it was paying that price of leaving their family thousands and thousands of miles away they weren't going from you know texas to newport rhode island you know they were going from nigeria to the u.s i mean thousands of miles away during the 80s it wasn't like you had cell phones or internet or all that stuff where you could communicate real easy you couldn't facetime with their family i mean when you were gone you were gone and and their families were back home in nigeria in the villages right so he really had like barely any way of really reaching them um, you could send letters and it would get someone months later i mean it was yeah this is old school so no, my that's dad how that's kind of how naps worked for you right with talking to your parents i mean it's <laughs> yeah. similar right 
Yeah, 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 just a little bit. But um, yeah, so uh, my dad came over here to the U.S. first. He got his education, uh, went back to Nigeria, married my mom, brought her back here to the States. They decided to settle in Dallas, Texas. And um, while, um, you know, when they settled in Dallas, Texas, they had me and my two brothers and my sister. And uh, while we were growing up in Texas, naturally, we gravitated towards sports. And for the guys, me and my two brothers, we, uh, we, gra- we gravitated towards football. My sister, she played, um, she played uh, volleyball, basketball, ran track. Me and my brothers, we all played football. We all ran track too as well. Um, you know, we all played different positions. My youngest brother was a quarterback and safe and DB. Um, my State, middle right? brother, Texas State, yep. My, my middle brother, Brian, he was a linebacker. He also played some tight end. He also went to Texas State as well. How and big then, was he you know, as a linebacker? He was good size. I mean, he was... While he played, he was probably about two forty-five or so, two thirty-five to two forty-five in that range. What happened but to like you rock with? solid. <laughs> yeah, I never got there. I in college, I was, <laughs> I, I, I don't even think I ever touched one ninety in college. I was always between one eighty, one eighty-eight in that range. Gotcha. Um, my my youngest brother Justin, he was always in that kind of like one, uh, two about two hundred pound range, and uh, when he played, so uh, I was like the smallest of the bunch, but. Nice. I was also the fastest. And, um, you know, growing up, you know, uh, we all wanted to go play college football, right? So we all worked very hard. We didn't play football, in, in, like, as, um, you know, in Little League or anything like that. So we didn't even get that early start. We never played when we were six, seven, eight years old. We didn't start playing until we were all in seventh grade, which put us a little bit behind the curve compared to some other guys. But we um, eventually outworked a lot of people to get us to a point where we could all get recruited to play football in school. So eventually, you know, my junior, senior year in high school, um, you know, I was getting better and better throughout high school. I was a wide receiver. I was a safety for a bit. I actually moved to outside linebacker in high school for my senior year. Um, had a lot of tackles there. Had a lot of sacks. had like six sacks my senior year. Um, did really well there. Um, and eventually got recruited by some schools, and one of those was the Naval Academy. So I looked you? at it as a great opportunity to go to a really good school, get a great education, play football for a great team, um, and then when I graduate, be able to go off and serve as an officer in the Navy because, you know, we're not all going to go to the NFL, so we need to make sure that we got something else that we can do after college, and Naval Academy was going to set me up for that. <clears throat> so I decided to go there. Everybody told me that life well, was going to be – Hold up, hold up. Who, mm-hmm. who else recruited you? Uh, other schools were Louisiana, Monroe. Um, I know I got some letters from Air Force and Army. Uh, or not Air any Force, other sorry, visits? Army. Uh, did I go on any other visits? I'm trying to think. I think I did. I I don't think I did. I because my first visit I went to was the Naval Academy, and I did that in early January. Yeah. And um, once I did that, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I did that early January. I did it, and I didn't want to go anywhere else. I was gotcha. good. I'm like, I'm, I'm sold. Uh, just because, you know, I mean, you're, you're looking at the school, right? I'm looking at it from a big lens, right? I'm not, I'm not just looking at it only from a football lens. I'm looking at it from a big lens, whereas, okay, <clears throat> football is great there. They're winning. You know, the last two years, they had winning seasons. They went to bowl games. They're only getting the program better. They got good players coming back. Um, you know, education-wise, it's one of the best educations in the U.S., right? Um, when you graduate, you're, you're an officer, right? In the Navy or Marine Corps. So that means you immediately have a job, right? I wasn't going to be like a bum right afterwards. I wasn't going to be searching for work. Yeah. 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 It's a huge selling point. Like, you know, that you got something to start. Like, you don't, you don't even have to go look. You literally have a job that's going to give you, you know, I don't know, right out of, right out of school, we were making what, 60 grand or so, 60 something grand a year or whatever it was. The immediate leadership experience, you know? 
Yeah, immediate uh, leadership experience. You're getting to learn a lot more, see a lot more, do a lot more, be in charge of a lot more. Um, and you have a job, a career that's prestigious, right? You're not you're not just doing nothing. I mean, you're doing something that you can go tell someone like, hey, this is what I do. And they're like, holy crap. So um, it was just big in all those ways. And there was just no other school that was going to give that to me, right? Maybe one of the other academies, but you know, I just had a little bit more of a liking for the Naval Academy than any other place. So that's kind of why I wanted to go. I wanted to experience all that stuff, get all that and set myself up for success um, in life, not just, you know, football, but like after, after football, because we, yeah. we can only all, all play for so long. So that's kind of what I was thinking. Unless you're Tom so, Brady. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but even me, I guess, is for so long. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I decided, you know, I obviously went to the academy, um, played all four years there. Uh, um, I was on varsity, all traveling all, all four years. Uh, I think I was on JV only for like the first two games of my freshman year. Um, and then moved up from there after, after Dewan Price got hurt. I think he like tore his ACL or something yep. like that. He was playing safety. So then I moved up um, from JV it's after funny, I had like a, <laughs> it's funny how, like when we go, when we talk, when I talk to you guys about your story, how, like when mm -hmm. you mentioned like in that case, Mm -hmm. I don't. I didn't remember anything about it. But when you say that, yeah. I was like, "Oh, that just opened up another chapter that I closed off in my mind because I'm trying yeah. to use my memory files efficiently, right?" But <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. fun when y'all when y'all bring that stuff up. So. I mean, even when you mentioned the, the 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 powder on my challenger, I completely forgot about that. And when you, when you said, "I'm like, holy crap, that did happen." <laughs> so um, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I can imagine that getting you pretty roused up because I remember At that when time, you did stop by in Carlsbad, how everything was so perfect with that car. And you, you don't touch clean, it now. Perfect. You yeah. can listen. You can't. You can't touch it. <laughs> that car was. It was nice. But um, yeah. No. Uh, um. So. Anyway, so yeah, going to the academy, getting there, um, you know, it, it was a good time. Met, you know, friends that I, I now have, um, you know, for uh, for life, right? You know, I mean, I, you, you always think coming out of high school that your friends in high school are going to be the ones who are going to be your friends forever, and you can still maintain a couple of them, but really it's not until you get to college, especially when you go to Naval Academy. We, <clears throat> we have to be so close. We have to be so family-oriented there that it's just so much more different than any other schools. Like other schools – like, yeah, you can be pretty tight, especially on the football team. But at the end of the day, you still all kind of go off to your own dorms, which are or houses, apartments, whatever you have. You still all kind of all spread out and go off. Right. You like it's almost like you just work together. But you all go off and do your own thing. Whereas at the academy, there's no going off. Like for football, we all walk together to go eat. And then after we eat, we walk to the same big old dorm. And, yeah, I might be on first wing and you might be on eighth wing or whatever. But like it's not that bad for me to get to you right it takes me like five six seven minute walk and i can find a way to get to you right we're all like together we live together eat together sleep together um get in fight trouble together. together fight together did you ever yeah. fight anyone did i i didn't get, fight anyone a... i i only on the football field i got in a couple fights but um that was, was about it and they were no no i got yeah. one with uh wide receiver tyree I got another one with who else did I? But it wasn't, and it, nothing big, nothing big. I think the longest one was like the Tyree one. It wasn't even that long. I think he like he might have pushed me, and then like I, next thing you know, I just like just threw a punch at his helmet, <laughs> and it was very immediate. Like it was, there was no thinking Reactive. about it. There was no analyzing. It was I got shoved and then turned around, boom, and that was it. Like nothing, no thoughts. That's just how it was. Um, gotcha. Um, 
but yeah, I didn't get in any, I wasn't like tussling on the ground, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> like that. Like so, yeah, yeah, yeah. All those guys. Um, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> um, yeah. So, you know, at the Academy had a good time, learned a lot, did a lot, um, got to experience some cool stuff. Um, you know, obviously played football for a great, amazing team. You know, we all bonded together really well. We had some amazing seasons. I think one of the, you know, the coolest things I learned from that playing football with, um, at the Academy was just really, um, you know, being able to learn what we've learned that I can now apply in life. Um, as far as like, you know, being able to be super resourceful, um, that hard work um, that grind, getting through adversity, um, handling stress, time management, all that stuff. Um, I learned it at the academy, like, and, and now I'm applying all that stuff to what I'm doing now. Like, I'm, you know, people ask me all the time, like, how do you, you know, how do you go through hard times? How do you get through this? How do you do this? And I'm like, I learned that at the academy, like, you know, that what we had to go through, like, I just apply that to now. Like, I don't have a coach yelling at me right now, and I'm like eating it during fourth quarters. You know, I remember that, like, yeah. in the snow and how cold it was. I mean, that's what we had to go through 5 a.m., fourth quarters right before our spring break. Yeah, like, that's not. You know, that's harder yeah, than when you a lot get of back from do. spring break and everybody's yakking on the sideline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to go through that. So going through that, it just prepared me for a lot of other things in life. And, you know, starting and, and, and it's helping me. It's helping me, right? I, I'm now able to persevere through a lot because of what I had to go through at the academy and also in the Navy as an officer, too, as well. So um, putting all that together set me up to, to become a, a better um, version of me when I became an officer. Obviously, once you graduate from the academy and you become an O, um, you are uh, you're tasked with leading a lot of uh, people, um, and you're in charge of their lives. Um, you know whether it's uh, you know on uh, on the ship or in the field or wherever in the air, whatever your community is that you do, you're in charge of a lot of lives and decisions you make um, could uh, could potentially get someone hurt, could, could get someone killed. Um, so like when you understand that that's the power you have, it's pretty crazy. And, um, you know, it just helps you grow up very quick, <laughs> but, um, you know, out there as a slow surface warfare officer, I was on a couple different ships. I was on the minesweeper and then transitioned to a amphib. I was on a big old, you know, LSD 600 plus foot long ship, um, Navy and Marines on board. Um, and, uh, it was just kind of good, you know, being able to kind of get those experiences, go on deployments, see the world, go to the middle East, go to the Asia, go where all the different places we went, learned a ton from that. And then eventually, uh, you know, when I was one thing I always told myself, and this is actually something I told myself going to the Academy was, uh, never lose yourself, right? Like whatever you're doing in the military, make sure that you maintain your personal life, your personal, um, I would say, uh, just maintain yourself, right? Don't lose yourself to the military. Like don't make the military your life. The military is just part of you, right? It's just something you do, but it doesn't need to be your life. And I think a lot of people do that. They like make the military their life. All of a sudden when they get out, they don't even know where to go anymore. They don't know what to do. They're like, oh, I lost, you know, my purpose. I'm like, no, like uh, my purpose has never been the military. My purpose has always been me and my life and where I'm going, right? The military is something I do. I do it because I want to serve. I do it because I want to do all the right stuff, protect our freedoms, all that stuff. But it's not my life. Like that is not me because I can't, I can only hold on to things and make it my life if it's something that's going to be my life forever. The military will kick us out at some point. When you're 60 years old, the military is going to be like, you're out. 
you know, like, or mm-hmm. after a certain period of time, the military is like, hey, we're, we're changing things up, you're out, right? You, they're, they're not going to hold on to you forever. So why should you hold on to them forever, right? You got to know, you got to still always maintain positive control of yourself, right? So Just like with the football, right? Well, so what I did was I always maintain life outside the military, right? I would, I would, I would, you know, do my Navy job, you know, let's say we were in port, right? In port San Diego. I do my Navy job from like 8 a.m. till, uh, I don't know, 4 or 5 p.m., 6 p.m., however long. If you had late days, I'd be there even later. But i do that till then. But once I left, that was it. I was done. I wasn't checking emails still. I wasn't doing – I mean, not that we could at that time. But you know, I wasn't doing anything extra after that. I was like, hey, I did my Navy time. I, I worked hard during that. And after I left, I was on to being Jesse and not, you know, instant Jesse or – or lieutenant, whatever. No, like it was, I was off to civilian life and I was enjoying that. I would, you know, on the weekends, I was going out, having fun with my friends, going out downtown San Diego. Um, I was going snowboarding in the winter. I was going to Vegas. I was going, uh, I had my challenger. I was going to the drag strip, drag racing with that. Did I eventually bought that? a Corvette. I did not wreck that, but I wrecked the Corvette. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, the Challenger is stayed beautiful the whole time. That was right like before that. the Challenger, because that's right in Carlsbad. You were telling me about the the crash and how you're, you're like kind of healing. Yeah, from that. yeah. There's the marks right there. There you it is. That? Goodness well, gracious. Yeah. So yeah. was that was that from like scratch scars or burn scars? That, no, that's from uh, glass. glass. Glass cut up my arm. Glass yeah. Cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glass cut up my arm. So, um, yeah, going into, um, you know, 2013, I had bought this Corvette and I was going to use it to go on road course tracks instead of just drag racing. But um, before I went to the road course tracks, I went to the drag strip with it and had a miscue. And next thing you know, I was in a wall and I was you flipping. you say miscue, what do you mean? Misshift. I went from like third to second gear at 120 miles per hour Goodness. so it's, yeah it's not good at all and yeah, i ended up flipping like seven times <laughs> oh, all that. yeah because oh. what happened is when i missed that shift it locked up the rear wheels and turned me into the wall hit the wall flipped over the wall and then kept cartwheeling end overhead oh, it sounds like it a newport bad. experience with the exception of flipping over the wall yeah Somewhere. no this time but yeah yeah a little more intense time. right <clears throat> a lot more intense yeah so uh that happened and um didn't let that you know discourage me from getting into racing um in that same year is when i started thinking about getting into racing and i started i just i just took driving on track a little bit more serious right i was like now i started buckling up my helmet i actually started wearing a race suit i started you know just being a little bit more cautious when it came to safety and um which has been great i haven't obviously gotten that kind of injury since now, uh, yeah, not going to go boom, boom, boom. Uh, you know, end of 2013, going into 2014, um, you know, I was about to go on my second deployment at the end of 2014. But also, I was in you know, 2014, that was about a year before I could potentially get out of the Navy, you know, in 2015 if I wanted to, right? I wasn't going to in 2015, but I could still at that point. So it started making me think, I'm like, dude, what's next? Like, what's after the Navy, right? And once again, I never made the Navy my life. And the only thing I did, I was still doing stuff outside of it. So, you know, obviously I was doing all this, um, you know, track day stuff, going to the tracks with my cars. I was like, man, what if I pursue like professional racing? Like, I'm always like doing this, like for fun, amateur wise. Why don't I just try to take it to the next level? And that's what I did. I made this decision that I wanted to become a professional race car driver, um, you know, at some point. So I started pursuing it. I started putting energy towards it. I started grinding towards it. I started learning, researching, and putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. I started meeting people. People started connecting me to other people. 
And then I met a guy at a car show who was racing uh, late model stock cars at Irwindale, California. And then he asked me if I want to do a test with his team. I did that test with his team and it went really well. And that's kind of what introduced me to the NASCAR stuff. But, um, you know, obviously it's a race, it costs money. So I had to figure out how to make that money to even get into racing. Yeah. So what I did was uh, I started my own small business on the side of um, serving, right? So I went on deployment in, in the 2014, came back from that deployment, um, decided that I was going to get into this racing stuff, started this business, which I had been planning throughout my whole deployment. I was like writing down notes and all that stuff. I was learning. I had this other guy on the ship who was an entrepreneur as well. So he taught me a lot of stuff on the business side of things, came back from that deployment, um, got the business going. I was hosting drag racing events. So I would uh, rent out a drag strip, uh, um, uh, host the event, invite a whole bunch of spectators, drivers, all that stuff to come to the event. Uh, they would come, um, obviously pay tickets to come in and any extra profit I made from that, I basically used to sponsor myself to get into racing. And um, while I was doing that, on that, like a single event ballpark, um, single event, um, most of the events, I was always kind of in the profit wise, anywhere from on the lower end, like 10 grand on the higher end, the most I think I did from one was like maybe 40 something grand. Nice. Uh, That's a good profit. day. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a good day. I was doing only a few of these a year, but it was enough, you know, to make some decent money. And then, um, in 2016, I did like six events and I actually made quite a bit of money. It made like, I think I profited like 130 grand or something in that year. And I used that to basically pay for all my racing because I was still active duty at that time. So my active duty money paid for my bills and my normal life. And then to go racing, I just used the events I was putting on to pay for that. So it all kind of worked itself out. Nice. And, I did um, not know, you know that. So, I, so that's, that's really neat to, to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I got the entrepreneurship side of me going, which helped catapult the rest of the entrepreneurship stuff for me. So um, it helped me get into racing. As I started moving up the ranks, it started getting a little bit more costly and a little bit more expensive. Um, so the business still was making money, but not enough to support the levels I was at in racing. So then I had to link up with an agent um, and that agent has been great for me. We've been together the last five years now, and he's been basically connecting me with different brands, helping me get sponsorships, all that stuff. And now the sponsorships have been basically what's been paying for uh, the racing since. But um, I still have sponsor? some business. Um, right now, I have three big ones, uh, Equity Prime Mortgage, uh, Coca-Cola, and Chevrolet. So um, those big ones have basically are what's supporting this year. Um, in prior years, I've had different ones come in for different amounts of money, um, but all of it has all been super helpful. Um, my businesses obviously are still making money, but not enough to like support where we're at right now. So eventually it'll get to that point, but just not yet. But um, yeah, I kept on grinding to get all that stuff figured out. Um, kept on starting other businesses as well. You know, I, I still have these drag racing events that I put on. They all do well. Um, I'm, I'm into real estate investing. I've been investing in real estate properties and all that stuff. Um, building that whole venture. I have a trucking business as well. We have a semi truck and we do a lot of stuff with Amazon. Yeah, um, this is a good place to be right now, that's for sure. Yeah. And then, um, you know, some other little things. I got an esports business and some other stuff. So putting that all together, that's kind of like the whole entrepreneurship side of me that I've been building up over the last uh, seven years now. And then on the racing side, you know, I went from racing late model stock cars to the NASCAR KN series to the uh, ARCA series. And then NASCAR truck series, which is the first level of the national levels of NASCAR. And then now I'm in the second highest level of NASCAR, which is the NASCAR Xfinity series. Tell us, and tell then, us more about hmm. those series, what they mean, yeah. like the progression. Cause like, I'm even a little bit ignorant to that. Uh, yeah. Like when we got on, I was like, Hey truck, like that's what Jesse drives is a truck. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I haven't seen one of your latest races, but uh, yeah. tell, describe that path. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I first started, it was a Na uh, NASCAR late models. So late models, it's a full body car, um, you know, uh, 400 horsepower car. They race at short tracks. So like tracks that are like, you know, quarter mile oval or third mile oval or three, uh, three eighths mile oval or um, half mile oval. They, they race at those tracks. And I was racing at Irwindale Speedway, which is a half mile oval. And then from there, um, uh, moved up to the next level of NASCAR, which was the NASCAR um, K&N series, which is now called the ARCA West series. But um, that series is like a regional series. So instead of just racing at one track every single weekend, you're now traveling across the region. And I was racing ARCA West, so it was all the West Coast region. We were going to like tracks in Southern California, Arizona, Utah, gotcha. Northern California, Oregon, Washington, all that stuff. And those cars are about 600, 650 horsepower. Um, they drive at all those tracks. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. So moved up, right? A little bit more powerful car. What was that and Corvette the, Urex? How many horsepower? Uh, that, that was uh, at that time, uh, shoot, I don't know, like. Uh, 500 yeah 500 okay, horsepower. So right in the middle of those yeah. two cars yeah 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 so um but i learned how to shift by this point i was a way better shifter Good, yeah you do <laughs> but, enough uh, simulation on that yeah exactly. is there a big difference between sims and real and obviously real there's gonna be right but like there, where, yeah. where when you transition from a simulator into real like what are you missing you're missing the, the, the heat stress for sure. You're missing the G-forces. Um, you're missing the fear factor, right? In real life, you do have a real chance of getting hurt, right? On the sim, you don't. So um, I think when your your mind knows that, hey, if I do make a mistake, it's going to cost me, you know, you probably don't do all the same things that you would on the sim. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, the sim is very close to real life as far as um, reenacting the track and, and, the, and different fields. Our freshman year after that bowl game, we were able to jump in. The, was it the Tom Petty experiment? Oh, uh, it was the uh, Richard Petty experience, Charlotte, Charlotte Motor Speedway. We got that ride in those stock cars. And those things aren't even that powerful. They're like oh, maybe gosh. like 350, See, 400 I'm, horsepower. Here I am sitting in that stock car doing that lap. And, you know, the Jews yeah. start to pull on those deep banks. Uh, yeah, curves in the corner and in Charlotte. Almost yeah. to like pass out mode. And I'm thinking, yeah. goodness gracious. And you said that's chump change, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's nothing. Like that's like half the power that we run. <laughs> nice. All right, so I yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off on the progression, but we we stopped at yeah. six hundred horsepower. Yeah, yeah. So that's the the regional series, the Arco West, which is used to be called the K and N West series. Then from there, you move up to the national series in NASCAR. So at the national level, you have Truck Series, which is the bottom of the national level. Okay. You have the Xfinity Series, which is the middle, and then you have Cup Series, which is the top. So you're Xfinity Cups. right now. I'm Xfinity right now. Truck series is obviously those, you know, trucks, those race trucks that we, we race. Xfinity series goes back to cars. So you're back in the car, um, you know, Camaros, Supras and um, Cam uh, Camrys. And then um, for the cup series, it's um, a uh, GT 500 Mustang, a Camaro ZL1 and a Camry again. And uh, cup series, you know, are the, all those big names you always hear. Kyle Busch, um, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jeff Gordon, Danica Patrick, uh, you know, all those folks, you know, those are, that's a cup level, right? The highest level of NASCAR. We're right below that, a step below that. Where are your horse, where's your horsepower at today? Yeah. So in the trucks, it's 700 horsepower and Xfinity okay. at 700 horsepower in the cup level, um, depending on the track, it can be anywhere from 550 to 750. Okay, so it flexes a little bit, just depending on. It the track. does, That's depending on the track. Yeah, that yeah. sounds so they expensive. Don't... So now you got to have a different car for a different track. Different cars. Uh, you run different cars, different How track. Many we have six cars on the team. Goodness, six. So you currently yeah, have six. 
six different cars that you drive. Six different sure. cars that we use for tracks. Yeah. Yep. 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 Goodness. Yeah. That's yeah. Expensive and it's not even enough. We need more. We need like at least three, four more. Why? <laughs> Uh, just because you always want to make sure you have uh, backup ones because, you know, you go to the track, let's say something happens, something bad happens. Well, you don't usually get a car fixed in a day, right? It might take a week or two or three um, and you got to send it out to do that. Well, if you're doing that, if that's the next car you need for the next weekend, you're kind of screwed. So that's why it's good, you know, for, you know, we race at um, short tracks, we race at intermediate tracks, we race at road courses, and we also race at super speedways. So you need a car dedicated for each one of those. And then from there, you need multiple cars, right? For intermediate tracks, yeah, intermediate tracks, you run those the most, right? So it's, you know, you probably have at least two or three of those. Super speedways, we run those the least, but, you know, you should have at least, you know, you can you can get away with just having one, but you probably should have like two of those. Um, those races are spread out enough for where you can just deal with, you can just, you might get away with one, but you probably should have two. Road courses, you know, depending on the year, some years we have more road courses than others. You should probably have two of those road course cars. Short tracks as well. You should have like at least two of those cars. So optimally, nine cars would be like optimal. Where if you had nine cars, you're pretty golden. Sweet. Well, I learned something new today. I learned a lot of new things today so far. So that's good. Um, let's see. I don't want to. Is there anything else you want to keep going on from a story standpoint? Um, to where you're at. Today? Uh, yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah, so, um, you know, started moving up the ranks. Um, now I'm at the NASCAR Xfinity Series level. Um, you know, we decided to start our own race team. And, um, you know, prior to this, I was racing for all these other teams. Um, this year, we wanted to start our own team so we got more control of our destiny and have a platform that we own that we could use for good. When you say and, we, um, who's that? Well, yeah, now we're partnered. I'm partnered up with multiple people, right? So yeah. um, one of my partners on the team, one of the co-owners, one of the four owners of the team is Emmett Smith, you know, Hall of Fame running back. And um, it's been great partnering with him on this team. Um, you know, I get to talk to him, you know, every week, every two weeks or so. Um, he's a pretty busy guy, too. He's running around doing all these different, you know, events and speaking engagements and all that stuff. But it's been really, really great working with him. And, um, you know, being able to have him on board with our team, uh, you know, have him invested in on the team, helping us, you know, with all the stuff we're doing. Um, it's been great. Um, the sponsors love it, of course. You know, I mean, you got the one of the greatest of all time running backs. Yeah, um, you're from you know, Dallas, Texas. How fun is that? I'm from Dallas as well. When you were uh, when you were like five or six years old, maybe that or maybe it was ten. I don't know. When I was a kid, I had a Dallas Cowboy like plastic helmet. I had yeah. the, the uniform with the little you know shoulder pad thingies in there. Yeah. Like, all about the Dallas Cowboys. Were you like that too when you were a kid? You know, I, I, I didn't have all that, but I was a huge Dallas Cowboy fan because during that time, I mean, we, you know, we're both from Texas. We watched the Cowboys win three Super Bowls, 93, Troy, 95, man. 96. Yeah. Right there, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Irvin, Deion Sanders, uh, you know, all those folks. You yeah. get, to, get to have some pretty cool conversations with him. Yeah, you know, we talked about different things. He has some crazy stories from back in the day. I mean, you know, he, in a way, he was like king in Texas. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. Who else uh, you partnered with? Yeah, um, you know, our other co-owners on the team, um, you know, my agent's also one of the co-owners as well, um, Matt Casto, um, another fellow, Mike Antonucci, he's, um, you know, uh, he's partnered with Emmett on some other businesses. He's one of the co-owners as well. And we run a team like that. And uh, this is year one for the team. We've been building it. Uh, we've had ups and downs, good days, bad days. My best finish this year was 
uh, 11th at uh, Daytona, which was nice. awesome for me awesome. Uh, to go out there. And, and I was so close to the top 10, so close, but um, I'll, I'll get it again next time. But, uh, you know, for me, I got way less experience than other drivers I race against. I mean, everybody I race against started racing when they were six years old. You know, at six, I wasn't even playing football yet, right? You know, when I was, you know, when we got to the academy and we we're playing, you know, from 2006, 2009, I mean, most of the guys I'm racing against right now were like racing, right? Um, so uh, I, I need exactly <laughs> carts and late models and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, they, they were all right. Some of them at that time were racing at the national level in NASCAR. Um, you know, so, uh, that's the experience that they have on me. So I got in, you know, obviously 2015 when I started even my career racing and started working up. So I'm way behind than these guys. Obviously I'm still learning. I'm still trying to get faster, you know, but I still have some good runs when I do. And then there's days where I have really bad and horrible days, <laughs> but that's it happens, I, you know, that's how I feel about bass fishing, Jesse. See, yeah. I discovered that high schools have bass fishing teams. I'm like, wow. what the heck? These kids rich early. kids over here <laughs> yeah. fishing and stuff. Yeah. Like, rich kids. Similar to, to NASCAR is what it sounds like. That, that is motorsports in general. Um, what you'll find is, you know, a lot of the kids who get into it, you know, their parents are, they have a lot of money, right? Because it costs money to get into racing. Like for football, for us, you know, you didn't, how much money did you ever spend on football in middle school and high school? Maybe on cleats? Zero. I played one year yeah. of Pop Warner. I was very fortunate. Like my parents put me in that. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Besides that, you didn't play really, you yeah, know, cleats, like, right. I, I, cleats. Yeah, I think when I was in high school, I bought my gloves and I bought my cleats. Um, and wear gloves. And, and that's that's it. Yeah, for you, you play linebacker. For me, I played receiver, so I had to get some gloves. But even then, I think my gloves, I had my senior, my junior and senior year, uh, were hand me downs from another player. You know, like I just like, you know, because he had really sticky ones and uh, my parents couldn't afford the really sticky ones. So I had to borrow them from them, but they were still, like, his used pair of gloves were still better than. Uh, yeah. The brand new, you know, like super cheap version that I was getting from, you know, whatever store. Giant so, pass downs, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's what I did. So, uh, but yeah, racing is different. You gotta go buy a go kart. You gotta go buy this. You gotta buy a trailer. You gotta have the time. You gotta go buy tires every weekend. You gotta do all this stuff. You're spending thousands and thousands of dollars. My parents did not have thousands of dollars to go spend on racing. So, you know, that's why you'll see a lot of wealthy people getting into racing because it costs money to do it. Like it's a it's a pay to play type of sport. You spend money. You can get better equipment. You get better equipment, usually you'll just run better. So that's how it is. What was, what's it going to take to get uh, Jay Wu on the top tier cup series? What's the next? To get there, I want to get our team there, right? So I want to get our get a cup series team going that's under our own belt. Um, yeah, it, it takes money and time, right? Like um, me as a driver, I still got to get better at Xfinity series before I even – you know, move up to the cup level. So I got to continue to work on my skills, get better and better and better. And then eventually I can get there. But then also just uh, money wise, it just costs money, right? You gotta, you gotta have the financial backing to be able to purchase everything necessary to go cup racing. Yeah. Go extra get cars. Uh, extra cars, newer cars, different cars. Um, it all it just costs money. I mean, you, you want to go cup racing, you better be ready to sell out 20, <laughs> 20 million, 30 million, something crazy like that. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not a cheap venture at all, but it's all possible. So if you had all the money you needed what, from a performance standpoint, what would it take to get you there? Uh, for me, just running more and more, getting more seat time, right? Like if, if I had all the money that I needed, I would every single day be driving, right? I'd be, I'd run out of track somewhere and be testing 
all the time. Obviously, we have rules in NASCAR where we, we're not allowed to te test our own race cars or our team cars. Um, but there's other race cars I could drive on track that I could still gain experience on, learn things. And yeah, with all the money in the world, yeah, you'd, I'd be doing that basically every day. Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, be at tracks testing every single day. And then, you know, Thursday, go fly out somewhere and then go race. And that's what I would need to start catching up, right? Because so like, all these drivers just have more laps. Do you need like five top 10 finishes or a top three or like what class, uh, what kind of yeah, wins yeah, to, to, would require To, to move stuff? up? Yeah. Yeah, uh, to move up, it's, it's not that they base it off of how many top tens or wins or whatever you have. They really kind of base it off of how competitive are you, right? Can you can you go up there? Can you go run top 15, right? If you can go and run top 15, um, finish inside the top team, 15 multiple times, then all of a sudden you're, you're showing NASCAR that, hey, you're capable of moving up to the next level. Nice. Not everybody's going to go You just got win. one under your belt, so do it I, I, I have one top 15 under my belt now, which is great. I have some... <laughs> How many top 20s do I have? Uh, in Xfinity, I have a bunch of top 25s. Uh, not a bunch, but I have top 25s. Um, like I finished, you know, 20, or I finished 22nd somewhere. 20, I can't remember. Um, but in uh, 23rd somewhere else, another 22nd somewhere else. So anyways, um, yeah, definitely have some top 25s. have one top 15. Um, but I need more, right? I need to be more consistent. Like I need to consistently run inside the top 20. And then go snag top 15s when it's, when it's possible. But if I can do that, then from there you can, you know, eventually have the um, have what you need to to get approved to move up, right? But gotcha. um, that's what I'm really kind of focused on is to go get those and get better. And what do you eat for breakfast every day? Uh, it changes every morning. Changes Usually a couple every... of eggs, two, 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 three eggs or so. Sometimes I don't eat anything. It just depends. Uh, sounds like <laughs> you need to eat your wheaties. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can get us another sponsor soon. Wheaties. Um, so, so where are you going? Like, what's next steps for? Obviously, the the NASCAR track is obviously next steps. That's where your head's at. That's where your passion is. But, you know, you know yeah. So uh, for me, yeah, the the goal on the NASCAR side is to go to the Cup Series eventually, and then on, on the business side of things, just continue to grow my businesses that I have. You know, on the real estate side, the events I'm doing, uh, trucking. Um, I'm even getting into government contracting now, so trying to grow that side of things. So really grow all that and, um, you know, level up on that side. The more I level up on there, the more funds I'll have to do all the other stuff I want to do. So really that's, you know, that's what we're working on on the professional side of things. Obviously I'm still in the Navy, I'm in the reserve. So you know, working my way up the ranks. So you're still in the reserve. So you do that one week in a month, one two week in a month, in the summer, two weeks a year, yeah. Gotcha. yeah. What, what springboarded really unlocked your entrepreneurial, like your businesses? Um, is there something that stands out as like, man, when this happened, when I set conditions of this, everything kind of started working. Mindset. You got to get the mindset, right? Um, mindset comes with a lot. Mindset is pretty much everything, right? You got to um, be able to withstand all the different waves that will hit you. You got to have huge faith. Um, you got to be a prayer warrior. Um, you know, have God on your side, on your team. That's the only way you'll survive. Um, and then, uh, you know, read, right. Read and learn, um, you know, two books I recommend to everybody who wants to get into entrepreneurship or any kind of business stuff, um, read, uh, rich dad, poor dad, and also, um, cash flow quadrant. If you, uh, get into the book, both those two books, whether you're, you're, you're audio book guy or, um, 
a reader. I don't like to read. I just audio book it. But um, I did that, listened to those books like multiple times and learned so much. And they helped me get the mindset necessary to get into business. Who recommended Rich Dad Poor Dad to you? Rich Dad Poor Dad, who recommended that to me? Um, I had someone recommend that book. It to was, me. I, 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 no, no, no. I list, oh, no, who, I think I heard it. I heard it a few times on some uh, motivational talks. Um, gotcha. And I think that's what got me into it. And then I heard Cashflow Quadrant on some motivational talks and then like listen to that one and realized it was from the same guy. Um, and I was like, man, these, these books are good. Like they will really set you up for success. Craig Carter told me about that book. Yeah. Blake's dead. Uh, so I got it. But, yeah. Uh, that's, that's good. That's good to know. Mindset, you know, perseverance, overcoming adversity, reading, um, getting, getting new information, opening up your mind. Right. What, um, Most definitely. if you could go back and tell your younger self to do anything different, what would you do? What would you say? And when? Yeah. Um, if I could go back in time, I would tell myself in 2010, Actually, no, I'm sorry. No, in 2008, uh, when we got our career starter loan, to take that and invest like half of it in Bitcoin. That's what I would have done. Um, yeah, yeah. That's like it. I would have. So, what do you I, know I about that? that? I don't know anything about Bitcoin. Uh, crypto. I mean, it's here to stay. I mean, yeah, it's going through a little bit of turmoil, but the whole economy is going through turmoil, right? So, um, no, it's here to stay. The whole blockchain thing is definitely the new future. Once, you know, establishment finally um, gets on board with it, it's going to be the, the future, right? So, um, you know, crypto, uh, there, there's a lot of crypto projects don't, that don't do that great just because people running them aren't good. Um, but, you know, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and some of the big ones, those are here to stay. So um, just like anything, you know, it's going to have its ups and downs. You know, when the Internet first became a thing, people didn't believe in it. They thought it was a fad. Well, look at where it's at now. Um, same thing with crypto. They, some people were like, oh, it's just a fad. It's just a, well, these are people who are going to get left behind. Like mm -hmm. when new um, innovative technology and thoughts and processes that actually can help society and take us to the next level come out, like never see it as a fad. See it as something as like, okay, like, let me jump on board and learn this. Let me not criticize it. Let me learn how this can affect positive change and then work with it. When people start downing things, it's like, it doesn't even make sense. It's like, hold on, like, like <laughs> there's potential here. So yeah. No, the whole crypto space, there's a lot of potential there. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a master at it yet. I'm still learning a few things. I'm learning yeah. about NFTs and you know, all the different crypto coins out there and the blockchain and smart contracts and all that stuff. But there's all there's so much potential in that world. Yeah, I got you. Well, someday you're going to have to tell me more about that because it's another thing I just don't know anything about. and mm -hmm. I kind of like purposely avoided it because i feel like if i try to get soaked up in it i'll probably over obsess with it or something like that <laughs> it is easy to over obsess with it for sure because it it's so new so innovative but it's it's cool because it's like there there is so much potential with it once you really dive into it, you're like holy crap like if only people would just you know stop trying to push it away and just get with the program like you have to get with the, this train is coming no matter what like mm -hmm. yeah it's going to be a slower train to get in because too many people are trying to push it back but like the train's going to overpower everyone and run right through everyone. And if you, you better, you better be on board or you're getting left behind. And I'm trying to be on board. <laughs> gotcha. So price of admission. What is, what is Jesse Awuji's J-Woo? Um, Akini? Akine. Akine. Yeah. What's your price of admission? 
man, the price is missing my sanity. No, <laughs> no, uh, I think the price we all paid to get in was to really kind of let go of being individuals and learn how to come together for the greater good and do whatever was necessary to achieve the greater good, right? That's that price. And not everybody's willing to pay that. Not everyone is willing to go through that. Not everybody's even has what it takes to pay that price, right? You gotta sometimes have what it takes. You gotta have something in your pocket to pay that, right? Not everybody does. They might think they can, they might say they can. Oh, I can do that. Not everybody does. Not everybody was willing to do what we had to do to go through what we had to go through on the football field, in the locker room, at the Naval Academy, through those classes, um, graduating, becoming officers, serving, leading people, going to multiple commands, moving around the country, deploying around the world, you know, doing all that stuff, starting families, uh, you know, getting businesses going, doing, being investors, doing whatever, all the stuff that we were all doing. Um, not everybody was willing to pay that initial price of going to the Naval Academy, like going there, that's the initial price. And not everybody's willing to take that step to stick their right hand up in the air and say, I do like, no, not only a few people were willing to say that. And even for the few people who were willing to say that of the people willing to say it, not everybody literally has what it takes to even go through with it and succeed. So sure. that's the price we paid. Gotcha. Did you ever, feel like uh, quitting at some point going through that? Oh, yeah, all the time. All the time. Yeah, quite a few times. I was like, man, and the grass might be greener on the other side. But <laughs> what, then kept you going? The, what kept me going was knowing that, hey, if I go somewhere else, the future won't be as bright, right? Maybe the present at that time would be brighter, but the future wouldn't be as bright. So I had to keep going. I had to keep going and keep pushing through. I'm like, dude, this is not for just right now. This is for the future. Like, this is going to set me up for all the amazing things I'm going to do after school. And so I had to pay the price of staying in. I had to pay the price of going through it. I had to pay the price of grinding in football. I had to pay the, pay the price of getting hurt. I had to pay the price of, of persevering through injuries. I had to pay the price of persevering through some failed classes I had, right? I failed a you few classes class? at the academy. You fail? I felt like navigation. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. I failed like really hard classes. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> like what? Like uh, DiffEQs? Differential equations. I, I passed it the second time though. But differential equations, um, I failed. Uh, so you're a general science guy, not, right? I moved to general science. General science was cake after I moved from mechanical engineering. I so um, yeah, I failed um, some other mechanical engineering classes too. I think it was like, not statics, but I failed dynamics. Failed, um, I think it was heat. It wasn't heat transfer. I failed. Um, Thermal? No, materials. Like material science or something like that. Thermal was easy. Thermal was, was easy. Like only, I only felt I'm like. Breaking my heart. <laughs> thermal was super easy to me. Um, I like thermal. It was great. Uh, but yeah, that, that was a price, right? Failing those classes, going through that, uh, moving from mechanical engineering to, uh, um, to general science just to get through the academy. You know, um, you know, eating it on the football field, you know, being a starter, getting hurt. Then from there, just kind of playing, you know, getting through that and coming back and not being a starter, but, you know, still playing. But, Tell you know, not playing that. here you got and there. Hurt. What was your injury and when? Um, ankle, hurt my ankle um, our sophomore year, maybe game five or six or whatever. It took me like five, six weeks to come back from that. Came back from that, um, started playing again. But by that time, we, we kind of had our team already established, right? 
Um, was that a sprain junior year or like a break? What yeah, was it was a sprain. It, it, it was a sprain. Yeah, just a really bad sprain that took me out for weeks. Um, but did that, and then coming into going into junior year uh, or sophomore year. Uh, uh, shoot, was it sophomore year? Yeah, going into sophomore year spring ball, something else happened. I got hurt again. I think it's must have had a concussion or, or something. No, nah, it was hamstring. It was hamstring. Yeah, no, no, it was a hamstring, hamstring injury, and then that 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 took me out through like a lot of that um, sophomore year uh, um, spring ball. Then went into junior year, had another hamstring injury during camp, so then missed That's half a camp. Sprinters, man, those hammies. Yeah, hammies. Yeah, and then so missed most of camps. So it wasn't. I was like low on a depth chart at that point throughout the whole junior year. It was like my worst year. Like I just barely played anything. I like literally barely played. I think I played like 10 plays. Like I barely played at all. Um, and then um, going into junior year spring ball, had a little bit of a better spring ball, but then got hurt. And maybe it was, maybe it was uh, I, one, of, one of those years I hurt mine was 2008. Oh yeah, yeah, so it was my sophomore year spring ball. I tore my tricep tendon, so that took me out of spring ball, right? That, that screwed me up going into junior year. Then going into junior year, yeah. Got, went into junior year, then, like, I was finally healed up from that, but then all of a sudden pulled my hamstring during camp. So it was, like, one thing after another. I was missing too much, you know, critical practice, so then junior year barely played. I mean, I was on varsity, but barely played. Um, in fact, I, I didn't travel. Two, two games, I don't even think I traveled to. Um, and then uh, going into junior year um, spring ball, um, I just kind of was like more of just trying not to get hurt, right? But I wasn't being the most aggressive guy. So I was just trying not to be hurt, right? And yeah. I got through spring ball, didn't get hurt, thank God. Um, but also like didn't really do well. I was just kind of like a nobody out there. Like you're and then playing, going into... I, I, I kind of throw that analogy every now and then mm-hmm. out to some of my folks. is just like, yeah, hey, don't, don't go out there to play defense. Go out there to play offense. Right? Yeah. Know yeah, when exactly. to play defense if you have to, but like mm-hmm. don't play not to lose play to win yeah exactly and that's kind of exactly. how, how you felt that that's yeah spring. junior year spring ball so then went into senior year camp and i was like dude, like i was like super low on the depth chart this one i was like the lowest i'd ever been usually going to camp i was always like second about to be first like i was always like right there right um now i was like i think it was like fourth on a depth chart it was horrible I'm like oh my gosh like i'm like this is gonna be a really horrible see I, that, that that was really when i thought about quitting i'm like dude, dude what's the point like i'm like, fourth free, on the depth chart so you're free and then, free safety that's uh Wyatt Milton was free safety, right? Yeah, Wyatt, um, and Wyatt and Emmett and some other people, um, yeah, play safety. So I was pretty low on the depth chart. But then in camp, I just got better and better throughout the camp. I wasn't getting hurt. I was playing well, um, making good plays. I was being smart. I knew our knew our play calls really well. And I watched myself go from fourth to right there, about to start. Right, like I was like Wyatt was going to start. Obviously, he had got this experience over the last two years. He was a smart start, but I was right behind him. And when we had our nickel uh, package, yeah. then I was in, right? So then we go into Ohio State to play Ohio State. And, like, first drive, second drive, Emmett, like, gets hurt. He gets his bell rung. Something happened. And then I'm in. So then I played a lot of the Ohio State game. And then the rest of that year, played a whole bunch. And um, it was good. I, like, I ended, ended out my senior year being able to play a lot. Um, got some good reps in. in the locker room after a win over Mizzou. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. That everybody gets to watch now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Do you have a favorite? Uh, do you have a coach story? Like a funny, a funny coach story? Like yeah, coach plenty Green, of them. Maybe. Oh, Coach Green is plenty of them. I don't even know if I can talk about it though. But like, <laughs> they're funny stories though. But yeah, what no, was your coach, number? Uh, 
I was three. I was hey, three. hey, three, come here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it was, pretty much. And then a lot of cuss words came after that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he, uh, man, Coach Green was really hard on us, but um, it was good. I, I think he's the best defensive coordinator Naval Academy ever had. Um, uh, they, I think they need somebody like him again to whip everybody back in shape and get like physically back in shape, but also mentally back in shape, right? It was a mental thing. I think we were good and we won games because we had the mental attitude, but we also physically had the right attitude too. Like, yeah, we weren't the biggest, we weren't the fastest, but we all knew our, our, knew our position, knew our jobs in the, that fear of not knowing your job was what kept us in line all the time. So uh, I think that's what Coach Green brought to the table. He made sure that everyone knew what they're supposed to do. Because when you're playing college football, you don't got to be the biggest or fastest. But if you know what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to be, and you just constantly do that, yeah, there's some plays you'll just get beat just because someone's more athletic than you. Yeah, there, that will happen sometimes. But if you just know what you're supposed to do and everybody gets to where they're supposed to be, like more than not, you'll end up winning. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah, agree. I, I thought, that's the biggest thing. I thought Green was a good coach as well. Yeah, best, best academy they've ever had. What um, do you have like a, a, a recent failure, a perceived failure? Like you feel like, hey, I didn't do this well. I, I screwed this up. And you yeah, have to change um, course on something. What was that? No, not that. I don't, I don't see failure. Failure is only when you like quit, right? Then you just fail, right? I see, yeah, mistakes. I've made certain mistakes where I thought this was going to work and that didn't fully work and I had to course correct a little bit. <clears throat> this happened on the business side of things. There's, there's opportunities that popped up that I missed. There's opportunities that popped up and I jumped on and then it was a miss and, you know, maybe lost some money. Um, there's things that happened that cost me money. You know, I've been in wrecks on a racetrack. I've, you know, um, had good days, had bad days. All this stuff happens, but it's all like part of the journey, right? It's all supposed yes. to happen. It's adversity. Win or learn, <laughs> right? Yeah. So what was your biggest, most recent learn? Biggest, most recent learn. Earlier this year, we hired a group of people to be our crew for our race team, and um, they just misled us completely. And I learned how to sniff out the BS. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we learned because, yeah, we, we, it set us back. We, we had really bad races to start the year. I mean, we had like, it, it wasn't every race. It was so like, just like, we had like two crew? good races. Like, no, this up, is our road crew. These are at the shop who at the shop who gets the cars ready at the shop and then goes on the road with us, you know, to, to keep going. Got pit you. crew just does pit stops, right? That's just like they're there for like, you know, the race and that's it, right? The road crew is the people who work in the shop and then come to the track. And um, yeah, we just hired the wrong people. Um, we had to fire every one of them and got completely new people and everything turned up from there. Where was the miss then? Like looking back on that, what, what kind of... Which uh, the miss was... Or what? It was... Um, looking back on it, there's actually really nothing we probably could have done. Um, we were so late to the game, right? We, we secured a funding very late um, and there wasn't many people available. And so there weren't many people... A rushed process, you think? Rushed process and... Um, with us being a new team, people didn't know how long we were going to be around. So not many people wanted to risk where they're at to come to where we're at now. Now we're getting calls by people, but people just, they didn't want to take that risk. Um, and that, that makes sense, right? You know, you, you might have a stable job right now where you're at. All of a sudden some new startup comes and yeah, they might look sexy and might look cool, but yeah, you, you don't want to give up your nice secure job right now just to yeah. go to the startup for a hope to gain. You know, so um, now that we're a little bit more, we're not fully established, but we're a little bit more established. We're starting to get calls from people who want to work with us. Um, and yeah, we're, we're in a, we're in a better place now. We're not in a perfect place, but we're definitely in a better place. Gotcha. That's, that's interesting. Um, Cause so for that, you're just looking for technical competence, 
uh, probably like planning, organization, like a, just a good planning, crew organization, just, like fire and forget to, crew. Right? Yeah, fire and forget crew. That's what we have now. We have a fire and forget crew where you know they know the tasks, they know where they need to be, what they need to do, and how to accomplish it. And they're there, they're there for business, and they they go make things happen. That's what, and that, that's really really great. There's no babying. You don't gotta. I don't gotta so call the crew chief every day. They just kind of already knew what they were doing. They already knew. We hired these aren't brand new people. These people have been around, been there, done this. They know exactly where they need to be, what to do, awesome. and they just do it. Like it's it's really really nice. There's no babying. I don't gotta call the crew chief every day and say, hey, you know, we need to do this. Make sure you do this. No, like he's asking us, hey, yeah, yeah, he, he's calling. It is. It is. He's calling us saying, hey, we need to do this. You know, and we're like, okay, yes, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's a good day right there. Yeah. Um, so you're in the reserves. I mean, are you going to get out at any point? You think about staying in there to do the full reserve? Yeah. So no, no. The plan is to uh, do the full twenty, um, and then uh, transition out. You know, once I know that my whole twenty is locked in, whatever I got to do Why? for that, and then transition. Uh, just because it's um, you know, one, there's great benefits to it. I like keeping my foot in and being still part of the fight. Right. Um, there's the part of me who just I, I like it, right? I think it, I, I like it, right? I never didn't like it. So, um, you know, being part of it, I just like being involved and knowing that I'm still doing something to help. You know, yeah, I'm part-time maybe now. I'm not full-time anymore, but I still have a part, right? I still do training. I still train sailors, still help sailors, still, you know, still go on little, you know, ATs or annual training. Sometimes it goes overseas, right? Do you get Other any special the treatment as a celebrity NASCAR driver? Uh, I don't think I do. I don't know. Maybe who knows? Some people don't even know, right? I don't really. I don't talk about it unless someone yeah. brings it up. I don't talk about. It. I don't just talk about. Oh yeah, I'm an escort driver. Like I don't even bring it up. Like I'll walk into many conversations. I, I don't unless somebody asks me. I don't tell them. <laughs> yeah. You coming yeah. to Kentucky anytime soon for a race? Kentucky. Um. You know we used to race there each year, and they stopped doing it. Like after 2020, I think they stopped racing in Kentucky, and I don't know why. Um. Kentucky and Chicago. So. Um. We're not racing there, but we race around there. So that's a whole Midwest area. Yeah, well, make sure you let me know if you're in the area. I'll figure out a way to make it make a trip. Yeah, for sure. A um, couple more questions. Last last big one. Um, who's been your best mentor? Mentor? Um, Ryan Hogan. He was not an Academy grad, but he was on a ship with me at USS Comstock. Um, he's helped me a lot with business stuff. Like, I mean, he really, really helped me a lot, guided me in the right ways. And then, you know, anytime I had questions, I could call him. And then we would like call each other for a while. We were calling each other almost every week, every month, and um, just bouncing ideas off each other. Like, even though his business stuff he was doing was different than mine, I just let him talk about everything going on for him. And I talk about everything going on for me. And by us talking, we would just spark ideas. Like, I'd listen to him and his struggles he's going through with certain things. I'm like, oh, wait. That gives me an idea. Maybe I could do this and that would help me better, you know, all that yeah. stuff. So sometimes it's just like just talking, just, yeah. you know, just, you know, hey, he, like we're in, we're, we're in the same lane, right? We're doing, we got, we got businesses, right? We're in the same lane. Yeah, our businesses are doing different things, but we're in the same kind of lane, right? Now, in these journeys, what are we doing to get past certain things that we would learn things off of each other? I think that was super, super helpful. Awesome. That's another reason why I'm doing this podcast so i can bounce these ideas off you guys and learn yeah um what what kind of business was was he into so um what he has going right now he has a business called uh hunt a killer so it's like this mystery serial killer solving game right where you um 
it's like a board game. I think it's like a board game. I, think, I can't remember. It's like this, you get these mystery boxes that come in like every month. And in these boxes, it helps, gives you these clues to help solve this serial killer mystery or whatever. So you can kind of form this community with people where you and your online community, you're all fit, like, okay, this month, guys, we got this box. And these are the clues. What do you think it is? Who do you think it is? And then you try to solve it together. It's just fun, cool kind of, you know, cult community almost. And uh, he has a memberships, right? So every person who's part of it is paying a membership. They're paying 30, 35, 40 bucks a month. Um, and he has like, you know, well over 100,000 members now. So, um, yeah, you do the math. It's pretty good. You know, yeah, his, 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 his biggest thing he's always battling is kind of just, you know, making sure that, you know, as, as big as they're growing, obviously it costs money to grow. Um, so he's trying to always balance, you know, things to make sure that the cash flows right so that he can continue to push things where he needs to go. Cool. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> last question. What did you learn today? Today, man, I learned like, you know, I learned that there was a price of admission. I never thought about it like that. <laughs> you know, like I never, I always thought about like, this is good because, you know, a lot of the folks I've been talking to have kind of listened to the first one with Cameron mm -hmm. and it's kind of helped, you know, domino effect what people are talking about. So you're, you're running into this blind. So this is great. Yeah, this is blind. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've never thought about the price of admission, right? I've always just thought about, we got there, right? We all got there. We did what we had to do and we got out and we're, you know, expanding and we're doing big, great things, all that stuff, but never really thought about what that cost, right? Like I don't, I just never thought of it because I don't look at the cost, right? I don't look at the receipts. I just go pay what I got to pay it, because that's what it takes. You just do it because you have to do it. You don't complain. You don't whine and growl. Oh, this is what I got to do. Mindset. Oh man, I got to do this. Yeah, it's just mindset. You just go do it. No, it's not what I got to do. It's what I get to do. Right? I get this opportunity to go to the academy. I get this opportunity to play football. I get this opportunity to serve. I get this opportunity to lead. I get this opportunity to have a business. I get this opportunity to get into NASCAR, all that stuff. I, I never, I don't look at it as like, oh, it cost me this amount to race. It cost me this amount to do. No, I never, you don't look at the cost. Look at what you get to do and not what you got to do. Yeah, I, I got to look at costs all the time, buddy. <laughs> all the time. I'm like, every single day I'm looking at costs. So I'm going to take Jay Wu's advice and not look at costs anymore. Just pay it. Just pay uh, it. Don't look at the scoreboard. Don't look at the scoreboard. Just keep grinding. Keep pushing forward. The score will be what it is, right? You just keep grinding. Quit looking at the scoreboard and, and just keep scoring. You got any other cool insider NASCAR stuff that you can tell us? Insider, I don't have any insider trade information on that, not, not right now. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's fun, interesting. Definitely never gets old. There's always new things coming up every week, new problems to solve, new fires to fight, and uh, we just keep doing it every single week. Nice. Anything else you want to tell the group? Uh, keep grinding, keep pushing, no matter what. Like whatever you're doing, take it to the next level. Don't get comfortable. Um, we, we all went to the Naval Academy, which means we're ridiculously powerful. Um, we have a very powerful group of people out there. If you don't even know, if you're an Academy grad and you're listening, you don't even understand how powerful our group is and we're out there and, and maybe our, you know, class hasn't reached that yet. Cause we're all, you know, still what, 35, 34, 36 years old, whatever. Like there are people out there who've been there, done that academy who are running the world and that's where we're going to go. And that's where we get to. So keep pushing. Do not just conform to normal life. 
like understand that we we run the world and we need to go continue to run the world like when the older folks kind of go away we need to take over the spots and keep running the world we need to be the president we need to be owning every major corporation in the freaking u.s we need to be running the military we need to be overseas running other countries you know like <laughs> we need to be all over the place so um keep grinding do not settle do not like we like no point in going to the academy just to go settle afterwards feel you there good stuff forgot to ask you uh family you married yet um soon soon yeah soon. engaged right now yeah yeah engaged engaged. right now what's her name yeah uh cynthia cynthia ortiz and then cynthia. uh yeah yeah the um does she support everything you do or she's gonna tell you yeah no, and... no no she's been super supportive of everything so um you know yeah no, she's been great awesome dude well, great talking to you today um that's all i got i'm glad to, to get jesse wuji on and you're in southern southern california right now yeah, still SoCal, uh, SoCal living because it's nice and sunny. Yeah, I'm um, envious. Are <laughs> the cold where you're at right now? Not, it's getting there. It'll be here before I know it, but um, it's sweater yeah. weather right now. So, oh, okay, it's, got it. it's, uh, it's getting cooler here, but it's not. It's not cold. It's when I say cooler, like it's not 110 anymore. Now it's like 80 something. <laughs> gotcha. You don't have yeah. to wish you had an air conditioner out there anymore. So. We're still using AC right now. Not a lot, but we're still using it. I got you. Yeah. All right, dude. Great conversation. I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck. I'll be watching you. Most definitely. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And uh, for everybody out there, thank you for paying the price. <laughs>